You are listening to the Young Western Podcast with your hosts, Cheyenne and Montana Donuquette, where we talk about all things from Western lifestyle to your dating stories and honestly everything in between that. Hope you enjoy. Okay, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Young Western Podcast. I'm Cheyenne and I'm joined by a very special guest, someone I'm not surprised at all that you have wanted to hear from. She's had approximately 30 individual futurity and derby champ- or wins on 13 different horses. Just let that sink in for a minute. 13 different horses. She's been to Equitana as a bow racing clinician six times. She's won the Equitana Bow Racing Championship three times, and she just has numerous ABCRA, APRA, and Circuit Australian Bow Racing and all-round titles to her name. Welcome to the podcast, Adele Edwards. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I'm so excited. Um, Usually how we would start this is by doing a bit of a run review. And what that means is we just talk about a run that we've made recently, kind of how it went for us. But I do know that we're coming out of a somewhat strong winter. Have you been anywhere lately, like competing anywhere? No, I haven't competed since Tumut in April. So winter time is um, horses turnout time here. So um, yeah, no no competitions. Been doing clinics through winter. Yeah. So yeah, training training horses, of course, still, but not competing. Yeah, I bet. You guys, um, I'm assuming you are getting ready. You going to the ABHA finals in September? Yes, that's my um. Thing I'm working towards at the moment. Horses have been back in for nearly three weeks. So, yeah, just working on getting some horses fit at the moment. Yeah, perfect. How many are you taking? Uh, four. Oh, wow. Provided they they sound and well and everything between now and then. And how many of them are futurity horses? Um, none this year. There's two futurity-aged horses, but they uh Centurio, board horse-owned horses, oh, yeah. and they um, aren't up to the futurity just yet. Yeah, so they can go and have a look this year and next year, hopefully. Perfect. How exciting. Um, I think we should just start from the start. I feel like there is a lot, everyone knows, not everyone, but a lot of people have seen how much you have won in this industry, how successful you have been as a trainer. And I think that I was I think that statistic at the start, like you you don't even know how many futurities and derbies you've won around 30, probably a lot more than that. But on 13 different horses, like it just goes to show how much of a trainer you are to just be able to do it that many times over and over. Um, but I kind of wanted to start from the start. Where did it all start? Like, how did you get into horses? What was your upbringing like? Were you always around them or? Yeah, well, I was born to a horse mad mother. Uh, mm-hmm. She she showed hacks. Um, so, yeah, I was pretty much born into horses. So, you know, from the time I was born, I was around them. Um, I rode hacks, show jumpers up until I left school. So, yeah, yeah always been into horses, but not rodeos, of course. Mm-hmm. Then how did you transition from riding hacks and show jumping horses into, like, how did you end up in the barrel racing or a little bit more Western world, I guess? Um. I guess when I left school, I went, uh, I rode track work. That was my job when I left school. And um, through that, I just met different people and um, got into playing polo cross. And a lot of those people rodeoed. And 
yeah, I had a boyfriend back then who rodeoed, so yeah, just transitioned into that. Yeah, right. So were you did you grow up kind of like was your mum training a lot of these horses or were you just sort of being around people riding like do you know what I mean? Like where were you kind of out with the training side of things? Um, well, I mean I rode all over the country it shows as a kid. Um So you were pretty like, serious in like show jumping and how Yeah, pretty serious. I mean, all the royal shows on the eastern seaboard, you know, we were always at them. Um yeah, I mean, I guess it was pretty much like rodeo and every weekend you were away yeah. with shows, you know, same, different, just not yeah. as much brushing and plaiting and washing. As this is true. I used to do that. Yeah. This is true. Yeah, so I was just uh, that's what I was sort of trying to get a gist of who taught you it, like most of what you know and how you kind of got into it. Was there, did you just kind of end up wanting to bow race because it was the event to, and I, I guess you roped a bit as well, but want to kind of do it because it was the event to do as a woman in rodeo? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess when I started going to rodeos, I didn't rope. I didn't rope for a long time. I used to steer under in bow race when I first started. Um, yeah. And I worked on quarter horse stud, um, Yelene quarter horse stud, at the time, and so I had an endless supply of horses that I could use. So oh, that's what okay. I did. I used, yeah, I used their horses, and um, were they performance cutting horses or what were they? No, they were sprint horses. Ah, uh, right. So yeah. yeah, they had a stallion called Jazz Set, who was by Lion Deck. Um, I mean, everybody knows who Lion Deck is, Definitely. and he was a successful racehorse that you know these people bred horses. With um, they had a lot of sprint horses, so a lot of those horses that I used back then were race horses that then came home and I took them radio on and played polo across on them. Oh, um, really? I, yeah, so I had an endless supply of horses, but as soon as one looked like being any good, I lost it because they sold them. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so, so that... I guess I've been. Sorry, go on. Uh, so I guess I've been training horses since then because I had to keep getting another one going to do what I wanted to do. Yeah. And back then was the sprint racing, so quarter sprint racing, it was pretty big. Am I right in saying that? Well, it wasn't big when I got involved. Um, like the racing in New South Wales, Victoria and South Australia had all finished already then, but Queensland was still going. So those horses um, – were pre-trained at home and sent to Queensland to race. So yeah. I didn't actually, yeah, I didn't actually ever see any of these horses race except on video. They just got trained at home and went away to trainers in Queensland to race. But then that didn't even last very long after, you know, after that it was over or probably before I even stopped working there, they'd finished the racing. Really? And so with yeah. them, were they trying to find other disciplines for these horses or like was that was it already really big in kind of rodeo and stuff or bow racing um they were really popular in in rodeo those horses back then a lot of really good steer wrestling horses came out yeah. of their rope horses um like i said polo cross a lot of them went to polo cross they um you know they had another stand a stand called lion boy who was a lion deck horse as well so you know there that was a lot of those horses around rodeos back in those days this is a long time ago now, but yeah, they um, 
I finished up leaving there. The racing was all done by the time I left there. That would have, I feel like though, as much as you probably didn't think about it at the time, that would have been such a good foundation to then come into training bow racing horses because you really, you eat, like you would either have to know which bloodlines had the best kind of brain for retraining and whatever, or how to work with those horses that had been on the track and things like that. Do you think? Or well, that that breed horse was pretty tough. Um, yeah, you know, and, and you... I'm just saying this as someone who. I wish I knew more about those old school sprint lines. Like I'd wish I'd ridden more of them to know how to to kind of use them in this day and age. You know what I mean? Like how to cross yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they you know they were they were a brilliant athletic horse, but they were they were touchy buggers. So if you went about them the wrong way, you get yourself into trouble. A lot of people didn't get along with them because they were you know hard to deal with. But yeah. you know, really, really good horses if you got along with them. Yeah. But yeah, from you know, and and I think you know, there's a lot of those bloodlines still around. The same thing, you know, the right in the right hands, they're they're great horses. In the wrong hands, they're not worth crumpet. Oh yeah, I mean, I guess that goes across most boards with cow horses and stuff. It's usually like there's ones that are going to be super freaks, aren't the easiest horses, or for everyone. No, that's true. That's exactly right. So. You're working at this stud. You are slowly getting into rodeo, or by this time you're just like full blown. This is what I want to do. Like, was it a a sort of plan for you, or or was it something that you just kind of slowly worked out? You were half decent out, and then got great. Um, I think it was just fun. I mean, when you're young and dumb, and you know, yeah. you um want to do fun things. So, you know, it was it was fun to go away and and rodeo every weekend. I wouldn't say. I could ride a horse, you know. I I didn't know how to train a barrel racing horse, but I could get one around the barrels, <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. about all it was. You know, I had fast horses, and yeah. I could spin around a barrel. There was no finesse in it. Yeah, it was just dumb luck. I mean, it might have been that, but that was the the key that got you to kind of fall in love with it enough to learn to to be a trainer. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, oh for sure, for sure. You know, I I loved it, and but yeah, I did not have any idea what I was doing properly. And back then, there wasn't the clinics like there wasn't the clinicians coming out from America, um, you know, to learn properly off. I was just yeah. winging it. Um, yeah. I mean, there probably was some back in them days, but you know, they were going up around the Tamworth areas and that sort of thing. And and it wasn't like now, like social media, you know what's on everywhere. Back then. Unless someone told you, you didn't know, you know. Yeah, unless you were like that. in the know, yeah. Yeah, unless you're in the know, you missed out on that sort of stuff. But um, it wasn't until, oh, you know, I already had Rocky when I went to my first ever barrel racing clinic. Really? Yeah, so, you know, he would be 28 years old now and he was probably a four-year-old, so, yeah, 24 years ago. So, Going back, how did you kind of progress into getting those, like, um, because those who don't know, Rocky is a, a pretty well-bred bell racing horse in the terms. Even, I know, I'm speaking to someone, I wasn't there, but like Mathia, were they, were these horses that were being bred specifically back then for bell racing or did this kind of all just happen with the breeding and Mathia and Rocky and like Mooney and everything? 
Well, the Mondex were already, when I bought Rocky, the Mondex were already proven barrel-racing horses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Rambo was out there winning everything. There was more than him as well. But, um, you know, Shona's good horse, Buck, he was winning yep. stuff. Um, so Rocky was I, like after, after those horses. Yeah, he, he was, like, I mean, he, he did run against them, but they were kind of at the end of their careers when he was yeah. coming through. So, um, yeah, I don't even know. I think a girlfriend of mine had bought a horse off Mathia and she said to me, you should go out and have a look at horses at this place. And mm-hmm. so Daryl and I went to Forbes Rodeo and we went out to Mathia's from there and had a look at the horses and, yeah, brought him home. And yeah. that was my introduction to Mathia, Santa Rio and the breed. So before that, had you had any kind of horses, like main horses that you had any success with or were you kind of, yeah, like who were you riding before this? How What was, and I guess you'd met Daryl by this time, like I'm just thinking timelines. Yeah, no, well, I like I said, when I was working on that quarter horse stud, you know, I had I had numerous, Multiple, yeah, yeah, you know, barrel racing horses that you know I won on. Um, and when you're saying win, sorry for cutting off, but um, you're winning like bushy rodeos on these horses, or are you winning novices? Like, where are you at with that? Yeah, no, winning bushy rodeos because that was all I did back then. You know, they were local yeah. rodeos, so they were the only ones I really went to. Um, so, yeah, you know, I would have had, I reckon, three or four probably open winning barrel racing horses over the time I was at that job. Um, when I left there, I did buy a mare that I rodeoed on afterwards from yeah. that place. Like, she came with me. Um, she did three events, one at all of them. You um, must have had, if this is the case, you must have had a lot of, you either learn very quick or you had a lot of natural talent to have that many horses uh, that are consistently winning, even if they were being swapped out and taken back and whatever. Like there must have been a a lot. You must have just, I don't know, took to it quite easy or, or something. Like something must have started clicking then be- before you even got rocky. I was just trying to think like are you coming from just being like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I've got this amazing horse, but you've clearly proven yourself already. You know what I mean? Well, like I said before, those horses were fast. Yeah. Like, super fast. Yeah. yeah they were yeah. racing. And they um, were taught to run. They know how to hold themselves, I guess. Yeah. They, they knew how to run. And, you know, sometimes I would say the turns weren't flash, but, you know, they could probably run away with it. Yeah. Because they were fast. But, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I piloted them around as best I could. And, you know, they were, they were fast buggers. So you got away <laughs> with it. Yeah, yeah. So then you but got yeah, Rocky. Yeah, well, I would have had a few other horses in between then. Um, isn't it terrible that <laughs> I can't even think? Oh, I had an I had a nice horse who was a a Valley Ipswich bred horse that Daryl owned when we got yeah. together. Um, I want to say nice. He he was tough too. He was a race, you know. He was racehorse bred as well, and he was, you know, he was either a win or nothing sort yeah. of horse you you got him around or you or you didn't and um yeah no I, I had a few other nice horses sort of before I got rocky but yeah, yeah half of them escaped me now <laughs> but um yeah rocky I mean, 
Rocky, Rocky changed my whole barrel racing outlook. Yeah. That horse taught me, yeah, yeah, most things I know now. What was he? he, Where was was he at when you got him? I know he was just an unbroken yearling or two-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, nothing to look at. You know, he was just a plain little chestnut horse. But Why um, did you pick him? Like I'm sure there was plenty there. Yeah, just, I don't know, something about him, just like him. Yeah. You know, and, he, you know, he's, his mother was really well bred. Um, you know, she had great bloodlines. She was a Mourndeck mare and, and um, her damn line was really good as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we, you know, well, when we walked out there, you know, you, there's, God, I don't know how many horses were there that day, but there was a lot. But, yeah, yeah he just, yeah, luckily he was the one that he chose. Yeah. And so how did he come along? How was he to break in? Like, was he a bit of a handful of a horse? Yeah, yes and no. Rocky was very extremely lazy. So <laughs> you had to kick and slap and slapping with the reins to get him to go and then something would upset him and he would just throw you. So, yeah. He he... did have a little bit of um, dirt in him, didn't he? Yeah, it wasn't really dirt. He was more playful than anything, but he was so bloody athletic that the play, you didn't stay long. Yeah, I don't know how many times I walked home. Like, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) A lot. Yeah, no, he was a bugger for it. Did but, you find you know, him he, easy? Like coming, was he? Did he? Was he really different to anything you'd have ridden before this? Or, um, I don't know whether he was really different. He was probably the laziest horse I'd ever been on. Yeah, like before, <laughs> before then, he was terrible. Yeah. Like I, I remember Daryl making this statement that that horse will never make a bow racing horse because. You know, he can't hardly get out of a trot. Wow. But, yeah. Do you feel like that, you're um, yeah. someone who wants to prove people wrong a little bit? Oh, <laughs> no, well, that wasn't it, but I did happen to mention it a few times <laughs> through the years. <laughs> Bit of a smart ass. But, yeah, no, he was just, he loved bow racing. Yeah. You know, if, if ever there was a horse that enjoyed his job, it was that horse. So, you know, he could be at the back warming up looking like a pleasure horse, but the second into the arena, you know, he was just a different horse. So, really you know, and, and I don't know that I've ever had another horse that enjoyed it as much as what he did, and that's what do made you, him so good. Do you know how much he won in his career? I think I did work it out once. I think he won, like, about 120 open barrel races. God. And you were, so, you've always been quite selective with where you've placed horses. Like you would never run him on anything that you thought would compromise him at all or anything. Like it, it wasn't like he had the, he was carted all over the country. No, no, he was never traveled very much. And I mean, that's just, that's just mostly because I'm not much of a traveler. You know, like yeah. I like to stay closer to home and, you know, try to win. Win more than I spend, put it that way. That doesn't yeah. always happen, but I don't want to spend thousands of dollars to win, you know, not only that amount. I not want to be thousands. able to, <laughs> yeah, I want to be able to go somewhere and potentially be able to make a bit of money. Yeah. But um, 
you know, he he was very ordinary on bad ground. So, yeah, right. you know, he was an all or nothing type of horse. So it didn't matter what you put him on. If it was bad ground, he was still tried the same. Yeah, and he'd so, push himself to the ground there. Yeah, he would. He'd just fall down and, you know, then the next time he'd come back and just pretend it never happened. But you couldn't run him on bad ground because he just would bring himself down. So, yeah. you know, he... I had to be selective with him because he wouldn't safety up. Yeah. Did he, um, like, this is just my ignorance because I, I didn't see much of it. Did you, f- he come along pretty quick, you futurity in him? He, like, is that kind of was hit that his process or? No, nah, well, he didn't ever get to futurity because it must have been EI or, no, oh, it wasn't okay. EI because, no, it wasn't EI. He was before EI. I think. They only used to have the one big futurity back then, which was the eldest classic in Tamworth. And for some reason, they called it off the year that he would have gone. So he yeah. didn't get to go to that. He didn't get to futurity. So he must have been, I don't, I don't even know what the ages were back then, but I know he had one open bar when he was five year old. So. It must have been as a five-year-old they called it off. Yeah. And then I don't know why he wouldn't have got to go as a six-year-old, but I can't remember him ever going to the to that classic in Tamworth. But, yeah, so he he didn't do do those anyway. And he – did he come across any kind of – he didn't injure himself? Or, I'm not saying that he might have, but I was just sort of seeing his progress. Like he never had too much holding him back. It was pretty straightforward. Yeah, no, he was – um, you know, he was a had really, really bad feet. He was sound, but he had chopping feet. So yeah. um, he was always hard to, you know, keep those right. He did, like, when he got older, I mean, he ended up with a um, spur on his coffin bone. So yeah. um, I didn't keep him going very long after that because, you know, it did it did progress pretty quickly. He started to get sore and, he would still go out and run, but working him at home, you know, he was starting to show that he was sore all the time. Yeah. So, you know, rather than – they did say they could operate on him. He was 18 at the time, and that yeah. was not an option at that age. Yeah. Yeah, but he, – he was just such a phenomenal horse. Like I remember growing up and just watching him and he just – he he did it so easy too. Like and especially when you looked at him, he was such a big, like big horse. Yeah. And he just oh, yeah, big horse. did it so easy, hey. He was just athletic. You know, yeah. like he was just he was big and he was solid. And if you looked at him, you'd just think, Well, you're not a barrow horse, but yeah, he was just an athlete. Yeah. That's pretty much, you know, how you would put it. He's just athletic. So with um like you've really ridden a lot of really amazing futurity horses. Like you've started a lot of horses that are out there being run, not even by you, like they've been bought by other people or whatever. Was this kind of all in the same time? Like did you, were you riding, kind of bringing along all these other great horses? Um, a lot of them are Mathia kind of bred and then obviously you've got your own stud but or had your own stud, but. Was this kind of all in the same time? Were you riding a bunch of futurity horses and starting a bunch? or Not so much back then with Rocky. Like what? I don't even know. I'm thinking like pebbles and stuff as well, hey? Yeah, well, see, all those, I 
was only thinking about it the other day, and I think we would have possibly bought off Mathia around about 20 horses over the years. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um. So, you know, most of those horses went through futurities or, you know, got them going and sold them if, you know, I needed to sell a horse because sometimes, you know, life dictates that you need to sell a horse. Definitely. And, um, yeah, so. some of those horses that have gone on, like, I'm, I, I, I don't know why, it's probably just because I'm half daft, but the amount of times that I sit, you know, know such a phenomenal horse and then realise that you were the one that futurited it or, like, had it, and I wasn't even sure whether, how that happened, like, whether you were just riding these horses for Mathia or you'd bought them, trained them, sold them on, you've had a, had a lot. Yeah, no, and I've you know I've been very lucky that she's bred some really nice horses, and um, you know I've had a great career off off those horses. You know, just you guys it's have just had a phenomenal. partnership that works. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, and then we have bought broodmares off her over the years, and you know, and the stud that I had, Rockenmorn, came from yep. her as well. You know, so we've then created our own little Mathia breed you know, at our place as well. So, you know, there's just been so many nice horses come out of it. Yeah. So then um, going on to, I guess, would you say like Mooney was another, I would say it, but would you say Mooney was like your next like phenomenal kind of horse that you had coming along? Because you had them both. He was coming along at, at while Rocky was still running, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, he was around when um, Rocky was still running. Um, he was the backup horse for Rocky, you know, for those first few years when he was a baby. I had another horse, a Mordek horse, um, that wasn't a lot younger than Rocky. Uh, that was probably one of the better horses I've ever had. But really, yeah, he. Um, so Dylan was a baby when I was running him because I couldn't ride Rocky after I had Dylan. I fell off him at a rodeo. Like he was too strong? He was too strong for me. I just, really? I, you know, you haven't had a baby yet, but when you do, you lose a little bit oh, of all I that. I have no doubt. Yeah, all that core strength and, yeah, that bugger, you know, he sucker punched me in the dirt at a rodeo and I had to get off him. I couldn't ride him. He was, he was too strong how for long, me. Um, how long did you stay off him and, like, what did you do? I'm thinking for the people, like, so many people could relate to that, right? Like, what... Did you? How long did you stay off him for? Um, I reckon a couple of months, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I rode the other horse, and you know he was, he was probably a five-year-old, and so he's probably, oh no, maybe Pebbles was in between them. I can't remember, but he was. I know I won. You know he won every futurity he went in that horse. That horse was a damn good. Well, horse, oh, this so. was the horse that the in-between horse. Yeah, yeah, Rox Rustler was his name, but he was by Morndeck. Um, so, yeah, I, I started to run him and, you know, he just won barrows after barrows after barrows. But, you know, as it happens in life, you need money. And I had two open and horses yeah. that I really couldn't run them both. So he was sold. Um, yeah. And, yeah, then Mooney was probably, yeah, in the line there, although there was a lot between those ones and Mooney too, I suppose. You know, it was Pebbles and 
Abbey and yeah, that's what I'm Rock thinking, like Abbey, Pebbles, all of those horses. Yeah, those... yeah, they were all kind of around so... that. Sorry, and just is and Pebbles and um, Mooney, is that right? Mooney were out of the same mare? Were they out of Jess? Yeah. Or was... yeah. yeah, now Jessica, Jessica Morn, she has been a phenomenal brood mare. I mean, she's she's deceased now. Um, yeah, but yeah, we've had so many nice horses out of her. She's just Sally been Miller's fabulous. studs out of her, yeah, 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 Pe- uh, pink that Elegard yeah. had. She's out of her. Um, the two mares that I run now, they're out of her. Which mares are Sookie, they? Which ones? Sookie and Vixen. Oh, yeah, right. That makes yeah, so much sense. Yeah. And she was a brood mare really young, is that right? Yes, yeah, she. we bought her with pebbles on her. We were <laughs> out there one day picking up some other horses and um, Matthias said, oh, I don't know I'm going to do with that bloody mare. She got in fold of one of the colts in the paddock and... <laughs> And Daryl said, "Well, I'll have her." So he shot her in the foot on the foal on the truck, and um, Matthias said she was a three-year-old. Anyway, when the papers come through, she was two. Oh. So she was two-year-old. Yeah, about a four-month foal hanging off her. So oh. she Jeez. she had been running in the paddock. Yeah, she'd been running in the paddock with other yearlings, and yeah, they got that's doing crazy. things early. Crazy that Pebbles <laughs> ended up even like a half decent size horse too, you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, she um, and let alone and the mare. It never, horse, yeah, it never set the mare back there. The mare, like she grew out, and yeah, it was a beautiful, big, nice mare. And you guys just kept her as a brood mare, like obviously that's a good decision, but yeah, well, we did break her in, and um, we took her to some shows and showed her a little bit. She was a beautiful mare, um, but. Yeah, that was just kind of in between weaning pebbles and breeding of the next year. That was pretty much all she did after that was have babies. Good babies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, lots and lots of good babies. So would you say that Mooney was like another one of those great horses? I, I'm thinking because you rodeoed him and he did win so much as well. I assume you also don't know exactly how much he won. Oh, money-wise, no, I don't. And, and I wouldn't even be able to tell you. I mean, I could go and look it up because I keep records of the horses, but I haven't counted up how many bow races he's ever won. Um, yeah. But a lot, you know, he's been a great horse, really great horse. What was but he yeah, like he... to bring along? Like, was he pretty similar to – were the horses out of Jess all pretty similar or? Um, yeah, I don't think there's been any of them that have been, like, too much hard work. They've all been – Jess herself, you know, they've got a few quirks. Jess was always, uh, I don't even know how to explain explain them. Sookie sees things five miles up the paddock. So there's nothing goes on around the district that you don't know about because she sees it all. So Mooney was a little bit like that too. He would walk out into the arena and stop when he was young and, and look at everything before he'd go forward. Like you just oh, okay. look. Yeah. yeah. And um they've all kind of been a little bit like that. They sort of yeah, they they look at stuff, but they don't do anything. None of them have ever been bronchy or, you know, stupid. Yeah, they've all been pretty level headed with a little few quirks in them. Yeah. I mean that's cool. <laughs> yeah. That works. That's cool. <laughs> 
they're all quirky. <laughs> um, yeah, was there any other horses? I guess we've kind of talked about most of them, but I sort of wanted to touch on, and I, I already sort of have, um, about how you're in from someone looking from the outside in, you're very selective about where you want to run these horses. They always look amazing. Have you been, it seems quite curated, like almost planned that the way you have set out your career, like it never seems like you've gotten too heavy into winning and being like, you'll push up, like you often see people kind of maybe run a horse and ground, they probably shouldn't or push a horse a little bit further than they should or maybe inject more than they should or whatever. I want to sort of talk about you maintaining your horses. Winning never seemed to have got to you to where, do you know what I'm saying? Like some people winning gets to them and they will kind of push horses a little further or whatever. What do you kind of choose from a young age to keep these horses sound and mean that they're 18 and still winning, you know, and beating everyone? Yeah. I mean, I guess not pushing them when they're too young is a big thing with me. I'm not, you know, I'm not into running three-year-olds and, and, to me, four-year-olds are ones that I want to be taken out and just giving a look around, you know, and, yeah. and cantering. Um, I've just found that formula over the years to benefit both their bodies and their minds. I don't, you know, I'm not into pushing them too early, especially in this country where they can be five- and six-year-olds and still going in classics or futurities, as they call them now, which are not really futurities, but let's say yeah. for the sake of it, they're futurities. Um, yeah, they can go in them as five and six year olds. So there's no point in pushing four year olds to be ready for them. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I, I think that's the big thing. You know, let them get a little bit more mentally and physically strong before you start to go too fast. Um, fitness is a big thing too. You know, I I get I don't know if you'd even call it upset, but I often see people you know, putting posts up on Facebook and stuff about, you know, oh, I've been in the paddock for six months, you know, one week's work, we're at the Bowers. You know, went oh, so yeah. good. And I always think, and I bet the poor bastard's is not going to be going so good next week when his muscles are aching. Yeah. You know, I just think that's something that could be a lot more um, looked at, you know, with, yeah. with a lot of people is, is fitness, you know. Yeah. Get those buggers fit before you go running them, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't want to run around the block. I'm not fit. Yeah. I know how much it did set me back if I did it. Yeah, no, it's not fun. I, I randomly do it all the time. It hurts. <laughs> I don't randomly do it. I'll randomly do it. I'm not fit and it does hurt. So, yeah, I can I can definitely testify for that. Um, I guess, too, you've these horses like that you've had so much success with, they're often really big, strong kind of horses if you were to run them any younger than they need to or put too much miles on them too young they'd break down real easy yeah well one thing i can say about the like the traditionals and stuff they've pretty good bone um oh yeah yeah no they they do have good bone um i think you know and i won't mention any names at all but you know some <laughs> of the horses Definitely. we are crossing now with that don't have as good a bone, um, I'm a little careful with. I think, because... yeah. 
I think there's a whole conversation to be had um, and I, I know a few people that could have this conversation about horses in Australia and America and not even bow racing horses, how we're breeding, whatever. Purely the grounds and the roads that we run on, uh, like the roads that we travel on and whatever, I think our horses, a lot of our horses have been conditioned a certain way and this is just my thing that I've made up in my head but our horses have been conditioned kind of a certain way and maybe because we haven't pushed them really young and most of our horses do have to have careers that span 10, you know, 12 years. We are lucky that a lot of our Australian horses are quite sound and and have good bones. Some of them not so much, but, you know, there is definitely, I think there's definitely a difference in it. Oh, for sure. You know, and, you know, it's that's only, you've only got to go around and look at them. You haven't even got to know much what you're talking about. You can just walk past a couple and have a look at, you know, the front legs on them. But, oh, yeah. But, yeah, um, you know, I think that's something when, you, when you're breeding to those more running bred stains, you know, that are coming out from the States that you have to be a bit careful of is that your mare, you know, has lots of good wood underneath them mm-hmm. to... Um, you know, to counteract sometimes not so much good wood. And, you know, yeah. you've only got to look at the grounds they're running on over there on these horses as young horses are not what we're running on over here. Not at all. Not even no. remotely. And no. we, you also have to understand that it is a lucrative business having young horses in America as well. And if that means their career is four years, then that, is what it is and it that's not uncommon either you know to have no. these a lot shorter careers well it's a little bit the same as two-year-old racing here you know you right. the money's there so they push them to do it and you know the casualties are very many but you know the money's there so they they have to go ahead and do it yeah it's a business decision um how when did you start doing clinics did you kind of was there just a like i could imagine there was a demand People were wondering what the hell you were doing um, to, to keep making these horses work. Did you kind of fall into that? Is teaching something that come naturally to you? or It's not something that came naturally to me. It, it, and like you said, it was a demand. People asked me to do it. Yeah. Um, I was very reluctant, very, yeah. very reluctant because I class myself as a horse trainer. Yeah. You know, so. Um, as in you like do you mean over a jockey or do you mean just as general like what do you mean by that when I say you know with the clinics like I I want to train on the horses oh yeah um so I had to kind of learn to focus on the rider a little bit more because I want to focus on the horse all the time um you know that's why I so much like the young horse clinics because then I get to focus on the horse more than the rider um but yeah, you know, over over the years, I've I've got to, you know, where I, I think I'm helping the jockeys as much as the horses. But you know, you have to help them both. That's for sure. Oh, definitely. And everyone's individual. Like every team is individual. Even what um do you have a like? What's the future looking like for you? Do you have a start at the moment, or are you planning to breed? Like, where are you going breeding? Um, I know you had an amazing stuff for many years. Yeah, no, well, after we lost Rockamorn, um, 
I did buy another stud. He wasn't – his mind wasn't good enough to be a stallion. He was too tough to handle. Um, went about in exactly the same way as we did Rock and Morn, just different temperaments, um, yeah. different horses. So I did cut him and he was eventually sold on. Um, I'm not planning on ever having another stallion. You know, my broodmare herd's been cut back. I actually own six horses these days. I've gone six. from about yes, I've gone from about twenty five horses to six, and it's just bloody wonderful. Oh my um, gosh! So, I mean, I have outside horses now, rather than you know, right. I, I take outside horses to train these days. So yeah. I'm training, you know, for Mathia for her grandkids. You know, yeah. she's got stacks of horses she's kept for them to um, go on to, um, and other people as well, but. Um. Yeah, so I've got one old broodmare, a Mourndeck broodmare that she doesn't breed anymore. She's retired. She's just a paddock ornament. She'll live a days out here. Um, and I have the three fillies out of Jess, two that I'm still competing on, and Mojo Ryzen. She's in foal to um, Guys First Down Fame, so I'm really excited about that foal. Oh, so it'll be the dash to fame. Uh, is he Frenchman's? He's, he's by Frenchman's guy out of a dash to fame mare. That's um, the crush you want, isn't it? <laughs> so he, yeah, I'm... and she's by a dash to fame stud out of Jess. So I yeah. hope, yeah, that that will be a nice foal. That's like um, that American cross with that amazing Australian, you yeah. know, breed and success in there. Yeah. So that's the only mare I have in foal. And um, yeah, is that meant I'll... to be? Oh, she'll have a foal in the next few months? Yes, yes, she's due to foal in November. So um, I'm a bit excited about that one. Um, she was in foal to um, Flashy Pepto last year, but she lost a foal, unfortunately. Oh, no. So, yeah, that's the only mare I have in foal. And the two mares that I'm riding, I'm just waiting to see what the season's going to do. I might embryo transfer them, but I'll wait and see how dry it gets because they're talking. Yeah. A bad season, so I don't know that I want too many broodmares if it's going to be really dry. Oh yeah. Um. And yeah, so I'll just you know, and oh no, I have one the last foal out of the other Mourndeck mare, Mourn's Duchess. She's been great on me too. She's got a lot of yeah. winning barrel racing horses out there. So she, um, I have a three-year-old, no, two-year-old that's away at the breakers at the moment out of her. So I'll keep her as well. And. I'll ride her, but anything else now that hits the ground is probably just going to be for sale because I'm getting older. <laughs> I mean, that's a good thing for the, all of us, I guess. <laughs> um, well, that's awesome. I have a few, we can end on a few quick little questions I've written down. They don't have to be long-winded answers. I just thought this might be a nice little way to end. Um, What is your favourite bit or go-to bit? They're like... Short answers, no. if you can. Elliot, 03. Elliot, 03. That's it. Elliot, 03. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Um, what is, so from bit, let's go to tack piece. What's your favourite tack piece? What, I, I don't mind if it's like, you just like a flashy saddle pad or you're always going to like a set of rings or something. My um, diamond wool pads. Yeah. But what saddle do you ride in? What is your choice of saddle? Various. I've got a yeah. rule hide that I love, but I have various other saddles as well. Rule hide would be my favourite. 
this one might be a little more long-winded, but what is your favorite or go-to exercise on the drum or drums or drill if you have one? Um, I have a drill that I call the one drum exercise. Um, um, I say I arm a lot. It's <laughs> my favorite. It's uh, something I can do on the young ones and the old ones to yeah. yeah get any issues fixed on the old ones or teach the young ones. What is it to like? What is the outcome of this drill? Is it is it uh, more it of works, like? A, sorry, it works on. on everything. It works on on your your rate, your turn, your speed leaving a barrel. It's speed control yeah. on the big. Yeah, you you know, you go fast around the outside, slow down. Make sure that your turn's perfect and then come out and go fast again. Beautiful. Um, what is your most memorable win? Is a, that's a hard one. I get asked that a lot. Um, I guess I'm going to probably say Mount Isa. I mean, I've only been there once, but, yeah, Rocky won Mount Isa. Um, and it was something that, I don't know, it's really funny. It was something that I wanted to do. The whole time I was barrel racing, go to Mount Isa, win Mount Isa, that would be just such a big thrill. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was amazing, but I I don't know. I thought it was going to be more of a thrill than it was, I guess. I don't know. No, that's really common. Yeah. You ever, like, um, put – I don't know whether it's because, like, personally – you might have been like so, not even put pressure, but so so excited or thought about this one event or win or whatever, and then when you finally win it, you're like, I mean, it's good, but it's probably similar to the other ones. Like, does that make sense? I've felt yeah, that that's that's pretty much what it was like. I thought I thought when I won it, it was just going to be the best thing ever in the world, and it's a life changing I mean, moment. Yeah it, was, <laughs> yeah, it was great, but yeah, it was just a, another rodeo, I guess. But, and it, I think that's something like I know and I've heard Shane Kenny talk about it a bit too, like we put so much emphasis on winning X title or this event or whatever and it's us that it means everything too. Like it really changes not a whole lot. Obviously in big terms of things it, it can help your career and blah, 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 but once you've won it, the the sort of aftermath is very Oh, okay. On to the next. Like, no one yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty much. I mean, it's 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 great to have goals. That's for sure. You um, definitely. Everybody needs to have goals, but yeah, you um, and it's nice to achieve them. But I, I just sometimes think when you do the, I think the feeling you think you're going to get from it isn't quite what it is. Oh yeah, especially if you're not someone who's going to go on a three-day partying bender or something afterwards and reward yourself like that. Yeah, yeah no, probably, no. Um, when you get back in the truck and just drive home or drive to the next rodeo, it probably just is like another one. Yeah, well, that's pretty much, I guess, my man, as you get in the truck, it takes three or four days to get home. And, yeah, by the time you get there, it's like, oh, yeah, righto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, oh, no, they're, okay. I mean, they're all the wins are great. I mean, Definitely. you just... I'm very thankful that I've been lucky enough to win stuff, but yeah. Yeah. Um, hardest horse you've found to train? Oh, that's a hard one. Yeah, that's a hard one. I've had a few that have been hard to train. Really? I don't know. I don't know which one I'd pick. Oh, man. Um, 
Yeah, uh, probably the one that I talked about earlier that Daryl had when we got together uphill. His name oh, was. Yeah, he he was tough. Yeah, yeah. got you. Just like hard headed. Yeah, hard headed, hard running. You know, no woo much, and yeah, yeah. He, he he took a bit of work. Those ones can. Um, most memorable horse to train or ride or whatever. Oh yeah, that's always going to be Rocky. Definitely. And last one, but your go-to feed. I feel like you're someone who probably tries and keeps it somewhat simple. What are you making sure your horses always have plenty of when it comes to feed or even supplements? Um, well, I feed the benchmark feeds um, that there's various ones, but I feed the perfect mash mm-hmm. and and lupins yeah. and supplements. That's it. I'm very, very simple feeder. Um, I mean, they get plenty of hay as well. As hays. in like lucerne or? Um, various hays, lucerne, you know, lucerne, clover, oaten. Yeah. yeah. I like to have different sorts of hays um, and, I mean, different times of the year. When it's drought coming up, you want to be getting what you can. But, oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, um, I like them to have some dry, stalkier sort of hay, not just you know, good green loosen all the time. And I don't like irrigated loosen. I'd rather dry land loosen that is a bit stalky so that they've yeah. got, you know, not quite so much of that good green stuff. We yeah. are lucky, you know, we are lucky down here and you're probably the same. You know, we've got green feed at the moment, so they're not getting a lot of hay at the moment. But, um, yeah, the benchmark feeds I've found really good. You've only got to add a little bit of um, lupins to them and that's, you know, lupins in your supplements and you're covered. Yeah, sweet. Awesome. Well, I think we've discussed many a thing. I think it's been great talking to you. <laughs> it's been great talking to you. Thank you very much. No worries. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast and I hope you've enjoyed it. I have. Thank you. Thank you, guys, for listening to another podcast and a huge thank you to Adele Edwards for sharing some of her knowledge with us. It's been amazing. All of the links for Adele's profiles are down in our bio and all of the links to everything the Young Western Podcast are in our bio. Make sure you like, share, rate, review, do all of the things. I'm trying to think of all of the things you've got to do. Try and do some of them for us. Maybe even share us on your story. Go off. Um, And we are going to be back in your ear holes very soon. We have some exciting new episodes coming up. I'm working on some things and I think they're going to be very good. Thank you all for listening. Bye.